It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Thursday. Gary, good morning. Good morning, and I'm glad you were able to make it in. Yes, me too. I uh, decided to take yesterday off. I got on a flight and I went to our nation's capital uh, and I walked into the halls there in the House of Representatives. And uh, I I found a, a couple of Republicans. Uh, and I, I think, you know, it's it's just someone had to do this. I just looked at him and I said, grow up. By the time I was done talking, Jim Jordan was crying. And then I got, I said, fix this. And then I, I got on a plane and I came back. You came back. And, and that's, that, we're, yeah. we're so happy that you, yeah. uh, we're so happy that you did that. I was telling everybody that you were under the weather. Yeah. And, and because then, we didn't want to, we didn't want to brag about what you were doing. Well, I also had to explain to uh, uh, most of the GOP members in the house who Mike Johnson is. So. <laughs> I, I had to – they thought I was lying that he was a member of Congress, but uh, it turns out that he, he is. <laughs> Not related to the great runner, Michael Johnson. Right. Yeah, just exactly. Uh, before we get to that, and there's so much to, to talk about that, just the latest on the, uh, the mass shooting in, uh, in Maine, still have not uh, found the suspect as of yet. No, the police there in Lewiston, uh, this uh, Fox News is reporting at least 22 people are dead and 30 people are injured following a a shooting. It actually spanned two locations there in Lewiston, Maine on Wednesday evening. Uh, They named a person of interest. uh, And according to the media, the Lewiston Police Department identified Robert Card as a person of interest. And the Lewiston Police Department has also posted a picture of uh, Mr. Card on their website. The media has embedded this picture. It's been pretty much all over the media. There was also uh, pictures uh, coming out of one of the shooting locations, that being a bowling alley. That was one of the uh, locations. Yes, Yes, there were two different locations, as I mentioned. Uh, And it is not a large town. Uh, Lewiston, Maine is not uh, a very large town at all. Um, but you, you look at the, in fact, it was, uh, you know, a little bit of a drive between, uh, the bar and grill and the bowling, uh, alley location, the two different locations where police say the, the shootings happen. Uh, and then you look at the pictures that were coming out. Uh, Fox News is reporting that this is somebody with military experience um, and is also, as they identify him, as uh, someone who is a an instructor, a firearms instructor. Uh, in one of the pictures there, as he is entering this bowling alley, uh, he is holding a rifle and he is pointing that rifle. Uh, there, It is just a still shot, but we're assuming that he is uh, firing that rifle as he's walking in 
to the doors of that bowling alley. Um, and they still have not found him. Uh, again, uh, they're looking for Robert R. Card. And they're saying he is a resident of Maine. He is, of course, considered armed and dangerous. Uh, again, uh, Fox News reporting 22 dead, uh, as many as 30 injured. But uh, the main hospital there in, in Lewiston, there in central Maine, uh, saying, and they couldn't, of course, comment on everything. They were they were busy taking care of, of patients, but uh, their trauma unit is is that uh, right now uh, has every hand on deck working to uh, treat, again, dozens who have been injured. And then there is the, of course, investigation that still has to come. But priority one is finding this dangerous person and getting them off of the uh, off of the streets, making sure they are no longer a danger to themselves or others, especially in uh, it's, you know, you, you look at a situation like this and I don't know how you, you guard against something like that. Um, you know, we have no idea what the motive is being two locations, uh, very separate locations. Uh, there is no indication that he was an employee at any point of these two locations. I don't know if these were randomly picked or not, but. Again, in Lewiston, Maine, police are looking for this person of interest and hope to get him off the street very soon. When it comes to the uh, the injured of Fox saying, what, 20 to 30, CNN saying, uh, I think it's uh, around 50 is the number that yeah. that they have. Also, yeah. according to the bulletin that's out, Sunning Law Enforcement, uh, the person of interest uh, uh, recently reported mental health issues, including hearing voices and threats to shoot up the National Guard base in Maine. The person of interest was allegedly committed to a mental health facility for two weeks during the summer of 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's Robert Card. Right. Uh, considered armed and uh, and and dangerous. So yeah. the, uh, the bulletin also said that people... Uh, if seen, people should not approach Card or make contact with him. The shelter-in-place uh, order stands in uh, in Lewiston. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you and and again, anything, any anything is just speculation. But you look at it, and you say the the two areas of the mass shootings were, uh, you know, weren't next to each other, right? Right. Uh, which means you had a get in a vehicle and drive to to get there and you wonder mm-hmm. if those two were specifically targeted right or just uh random at uh at this point so right but uh we will keep you updated uh, uh on it here uh throughout the uh uh throughout the morning just horrendous yeah yeah it is our thoughts and prayers for yeah. all of those suffering this morning in in uh in Lewiston Maine and we will get uh, updates as as they come across. This is uh, still very much an active situation. Uh, and we expect as soon as authorities uh, do find this individual, we expect to hear about it immediately. We'll bring that to you. Coming up on the uh, show, Mike Johnson, uh, the new Speaker of the, the House. Several U.S. troops report uh, brain and traumatic brain injuries from the attacks in Iraq and Syria, which came from Iran proxies. And we talked about this uh, a little bit yesterday.
yesterday when you were gone, and it was the the fact that you know uh, Blinken had come out and said that uh, you know if you know that uh, you know do not. I mean, the warning came out from Blinken and the White House and everything else. Do not attack. Mm-hmm. You know, if you attack U.S. interest, we will fight back. Right. And I was thinking to myself, and then the same thing came out. You know, out of uh, uh, Kirby or whatever, and I'm thinking. But you've already been attacked. Yeah. Yeah. You've already been attacked. You right. have, you have, uh, uh, you know, I, the, the figures are at least 20, more than 20 service men, members injured in some way. You've already been attacked. Right. And so to come out with that message after you've been attacked is just, uh, again, it's, it's part of the frustration that, you know, we have with this administration. We're going to be tough. And if we are attacked, we will. Fight back. Well, you were attacked. Well, when they stated is, that they were attacked. Oh yeah, you know this is what I was saying the other night about Hamas. They're they're sitting knowing now that the U.S. is going to hold Israel back and uh, from doing a, a full on uh, enforcement and retaliation. And they're Hamas is also hoping that the rest of the world will then look at Israel as the aggressors which is already happening happening with a significant number of people out there. And, you know, this is uh, something we've talked about. We've seen this over the years. But right now, it's very clear. And we've been saying it since the beginning, since the attack on Israel, this latest attack from Hamas. There's the radicals. There's everybody else. You even had uh, Chris Coons was on uh, the Democrat, mm. Senator saying we need to be striking back against Iran proxy against U.S. troops. Yeah. We need to do something. Right. <laughs> so they even see it. Yeah. You know, that was what boggled my mind. Uh, we talked about yesterday while, while you were out, and it was just while, while you were, you know, saving the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and and I just shook my head saying, what, what the hell are they talking about? And if we're attacked, we'll strike back. You have been attacked. There have been know, multiple attacks in Iraq and Syria. Don't say you're going to strike back because the message you're sending out, I mean, they, they look at, they go, my God, we can do anything we want. And then, you know, the the White House tells the American public, if our troops are attacked, we're going to fight back. Well, they were attacked. They were. And we know who did it. Yeah. Yeah, we it's know not who a did question. It. No, there is no question. Even from the White House, there is no question. There's no question. And at the same time, they talk about us being attacked. I mean, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. We've been attacked, and and if we are attacked, we'll do something about it. Well, it's but like, you haven't done uh, anything about it. You know, uh, one of the first times that Biden spoke on it, he said to Iran, you better be careful. No, yes. Or what? Or what? Yeah. Or what? Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah have the upper hand here. It is their playbook. They're running the show. And this is not what we see coming out of the White House and the media and everything else is not surprising. No. You know, we, we knew this was good from everything from, well, we might need to have a humanitarian pause here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then as we talked about, because we talked about this two days ago, where it was, uh, where it was like, no, because we played Kirby, we are not telling the Israelis what to do. And then yesterday, oh, yeah, we're advising them what to do. Well, what's the difference between telling and advising? Right. 
right. when you're in the United States. Right. We're advising them not to. We're advising them, uh-huh. but we're not telling them. Right. It's like, shut up. Yeah, that's that's just, the just, that's the the situation that we're in. We're, our president is not capable of leading. He's not I, he's not a commander in chief. He's not a president. He's not capable of governing. He's not uh, capable of running a retaliation that we need to be running and should have been running from the beginning. I got to remember to call uh, Kirby uh, William Macy. Yeah. He is the yeah. he, he is the character, William Macy's character from Fargo, isn't he? He really is. Every really time is. he speaks, he's basically confirming what everybody is saying and then turns around and goes, yeah, but uh, we're, you know, we're not. No, we're not going to do anything. It's just maddening. It's maddening because this is this is what you get. And we talked about it from the beginning when this administration Throughout this administration, arrogance and incompetence, those are the only two skills that any of them, any of them carry to the podium with them. And it's not, you know, none of this is going to change. If we haven't done something already, think about this. Iran is attacking our troops. Hamas attacks Israel in a gruesome fashion, and what are we doing? I don't know what you're doing, but the president's going to be on the beach on the weekend. 866-90-RED-EYE. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. As the seasons change, so does truck maintenance. Cold weather can affect everything from your batteries and air brake system to tire inflation and fuel lines. Here's a maintenance tip to help make sure your rig is ready when winter comes knocking. When water and moisture build in your air brake system in the dead of winter, it will almost certainly freeze and turn to ice, which can damage valves, air dryers, and other air system components. Be sure to inspect your system for any air leaks and to confirm the system is receiving a clear air supply. Check and drain your air tanks daily to keep water, contaminants, and corrosion at bay. Find a professional service center near you to learn more about winterizing your truck or to have your air brake system inspected today. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. 
The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you so much for uh, being here. All right, so Representative Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House. Let's go to CNN. All right. And uh, and see how they were analyzing it uh, yesterday. This is uh, uh, a panel, and I think it's uh, Gloria Borger, is it, who was, uh, was speaking on Mike Johnson. No, I think he is um, a person who's hard to demonize. You know, it's very easy to demonize somebody like a Jim Jordan who's a firebrand. He's out there. He's fighting. And and then Donald Trump can demonize an Emmer because he didn't uh, believe the election was rigged. But you have this kind of I don't want to use the word milquetoast. I, I, that's not quite the right word. He's um, a serious uh, person who is not prone to getting in big, huge fights with people. He is known as a listener, I was told. Uh, he is hugely conservative, but he doesn't wear it on his sleeve all the time. So he can get along with moderates uh, and listen to them. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Ukraine aid, for example. There you go. And let's just hear uh, Mike Johnson in the first couple of seconds of uh, his first official address mm-hmm. as the 50, uh, 56th Speaker of the House of Representatives. Thank you all. Uh, first, uh, a few words of gratitude. I want to thank uh, Leader Jeffries. Uh, I do look forward to working with you on behalf of the American people. I know we see things from very different points of view, but I know that in your heart you love and care about this country and you want to do what's right. And so, there you go. I just wanted to play that because uh, he is uh, again. We had we had talked about you know what the tone should be, mm-hmm. what the tone should be now. When you see, for uh, example, and we had talked about this uh, when you know Mike Johnson first uh, came up, and when he actually laid out what he wants to do, uh, the as the Wall Street Journal points out here, Mr. McCarthy did the GOP a favor by averting a shutdown that would have backfired on the Republicans, but he needed Democrat votes to pass a 45-day spending bill. That was the excuse used to justify the revolt against him, though personal animus was the real driver. In a letter this week, Mr. Johnson proposed a roadmap for passing spending bills with a potential stopgap extension through early next year to gain time to gain the time to do it. 
good luck and Godspeed. And the headline is, can, the, can Speaker Mike Johnson uh, govern? GOP agitators will have to give him leeway that they denied Kevin McCarthy. So well, the fact is, the government isn't going to be closed down in three weeks as Gates no. wanted. No, it's not. Yeah, and that was nothing is going to change. There's there's going to be wheeling and dealing. Uh, the the whole you know as, uh, as some call it kicking of the can. That's that's going to continue. The makeup of the GOP has not changed, and you're not going to change it by changing speakership. It's not going to happen. Wasn't ever going to happen as long as the count is where it is right now in the House of Representatives. It's it's that simple. And so, uh, as I said yesterday, um, I like his tone. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I I look at Mike Johnson and say, okay, I I I like the way that he is approaching things because, as we have stated over and over again, part of what bothered me was the the idea because we all want we all want to get to i think most of us that are conservatives want to get to the same place it's how you do it Mm -hmm. and i believe the people that said we need a jim jordan or the call that we got from the one caller you guys don't understand i need somebody that's angry like like trump i want somebody who has that same emphasis we're like well that's not the point of a speaker right now the point of a speaker is to convince independents that what you're doing is right you see that tone in Mike Johnson. We'll see whether he can do it. Hmm. to listen again with our podcast available on our app and at redeyeradioshow.com It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. In his uh, uh, speech yesterday uh, the Speaker Johnson uh, had this to say about the border. We, we have a catastrophe at our southern border. The Senate and the White House can no longer ignore the problem. From Texas to New York, wave after wave of Illegal migrants are stressing our communities to their breaking points. We, we know that our streets are being flooded with fentanyl, and all of our communities, children, and even adults are dying from it. The status quo is unacceptable. Inaction is unacceptable, and we must come together and address the broken border. We have to do it. And just so you know, Democrats remain seated. Yeah. Yeah, they don't think the border's broken. Even yeah. after the uh, Border Patrol memo the other day, hey, look out for especially dangerous people that might be coming across, might already be here, and in some cases have already been apprehended along the southern border. Nope. Radicals and everybody else, that's where we are right now. If you don't care now, you've never cared and nothing is going to change it. I will say this about uh, Mike Johnson. 
because you had, you know, Gates come out and say, what a success. It was great that I did this and everything mm-hmm. else. And that's all fine and dandy. Mm-hmm. We have a more conservative speaker. Yeah, you can make the case that Mike Johnson is more of a conservative than uh, than uh, than McCarthy. Mm-hmm. But as the Wall Street Journal pointed out, they're still not going to do what Gates wanted. Yeah. They're still going to. This is about 2024. It's right. not about shutting down the government right. now. Right. It, and that's the that is the one thing that came out of this Gates and the other eight that were against McCarthy and wanted to shut the government down now are not going to have that opinion anymore. No, nope. no, nope. it's going to be all right next year and promoting what we're going to do for 2024. Yeah. So the irony is putting Mike Johnson in in there gets those eight to shut up even though nothing's he's not going to do anything that they wanted him to do most of what no they wanted no. is not going to happen now eventually we want to we want to get where those eight want to get to we do not disagree with where they want to get to it's how you get there i would love to say that with mike johnson Everything has changed. It hasn't. It has not. No. You still. And it ha- won't until right. you change the hearts and minds of the American voter and right. you get a much greater majority in the House and you gain control of the Senate again and you get the White House back. And that has to be the goal. That has to be the focus. There's no other. There, There is no other way. And by the way. You know, it kept running through my head over the recent days. We don't like messy. Apparently, we do. We love messy. <laughs> John Boehner back in the day. We don't, don't like, like messy. messy. I, yeah, I think, we do. I think it was, I think last night I played the, when you were in here, I, I played the cut from Mike Johnson where he said, things will get messy. And I made that point. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I think, see that I think he Mike said, I, I, I played it yesterday. Uh sort of a blur yesterday with, with you on but i believe it was mike johnson that said it because and and I, I had said this last night if you saw once they nominated him if you saw his speech it was a victory speech yeah i said well they they know now they've got the votes because everybody was surrounding him mm-hmm. and he made his speech and it was a good speech and today yeah. was today was a good speech too mm-hmm. but the irony of this is now that what those eight wanted and what Gates especially wanted, which was to shut the government down now and no, you know, temporary fix, you're going to have, it all looks like, because that's what he has laid out, uh, a temporary fix. Yeah. And There's, and I think, I think Johnson is somebody who looks at the, um, okay, I don't want to make the assumption. Hmm. I get the feeling that he is one who has his eye on twenty on 2024, that that's the big prize, that you're not going to accomplish anything with just uh, such a slim advantage in the House mm-hmm. and not having the, not having the Senate and not having the, uh, the, the executive branch. Mm-hmm. And I'd said it back, you always bring it up. <laughs> that's how I remember I said it, because you always bring it up where I said right after they won, I said, look, nothing's really going to get done. Mm -hmm. This is about the Republicans now having, 
you know, having the, the House and now telling the American people these are the challenges that we face. Now, what I what I I'm not surprised, but I didn't think that the Democrats would go as far left as they have on so many different issues. Yeah. And and yeah. I and I think when you see, for example, what's going on right now in uh, in in Israel, um, I wish you would have been here yesterday when we were talking about the uh, the poll, the Harvard Harris poll. That, mm. that I know you saw it because um, we had a discussion on it yesterday, where you see that the uh, half of young people, even. And a significant portion of those young people that favor Hamas have identified what Hamas did as a genocide and still approve of it. Mm-hmm. And that comes from exactly what we said. It comes from the identity politics. Now, all of the Democrats haven't gone that far as the identity politics to include Jews. The young Democrats have. Yeah. And if you look at the polling, and I wish they would have broken down the polling of the young people between Democrats and Republican young people to see what it was, because I believe then you probably had 60 or 70 percent of Democrat young people that are OK with what Hamas did. And if you look at the if you look at people over, did you see the numbers of people over 65, 95 mm, percent? Yeah. I mean, you cannot get that means the vast majority of Democrats and Republicans. So what is the difference? The difference is. Our higher education system, which, yeah. by the way, the Democrats want you to pay for their education that is teaching them and brainwashing them right. to believe that Hamas is justified in what they did, that genocide is justifiable. Mm-hmm. That's how bad it's gotten. And I, uh, a friend of our, uh, our show, uh, of our show, Carl, I read what he wrote yesterday on Facebook, which was like, how do you think Nazi Germany got started? What's the difference? Right. What's the difference in over half? And probably if you, if you broke it down to Democrats, Democrats versus Republican of young people, it would be dominant. You probably have 70, 75% of young Democrats. Mm-hmm. The way polling goes, I think I'm, that's a good guesstimate there that believe that Hamas was justified. Right. How do you think you got the Holocaust? Because of the celebration, the the celebration that you're seeing on college campuses for the beheading of babies. Think yes, about that. Right. That's how a society can change. This is the warning that, that even the founding fathers said. You know, we believe, we, we believe that we're in this society that can just go on and people can think whatever they want Education systems can do whatever they want, and it's really not going to affect what happens in this country. Well, you see now that it can affect what goes on in this country. You see yeah. the insanity, and not just not just that, but you take everything. You take how the Democrats, you know, the the uh, you know Bowser coming out, and we read mm-hmm. the whole thing about uh, Mayor Bowser in Washington mm-hmm. the other day. The whole defund the police. I mean, she's a ba- she's just just kicking that to the curb completely. Think about this. Think about what Democrats have done to the major cities. Crime and drugs and everything. And they're promoting that it's all good. And they're creating a third world country mm-hmm. in many of the cities that they govern. And they wish to do that to the United States. And 
you have seen they've gone to places where nobody thought they would ever go. The border, a complete disaster. You would think, just based, you see the polling out of New York? Mm. Two-thirds blame Biden for what's going on. Half of New Yorkers yeah, believe this is something that could destroy the city. Yeah. And there you have uh, Mike Johnson make a reasonable argument that we need to do something because of the humanitarian crisis and the the insanity that's all across the country now, and not one Democrat stands, not one. Nope. No, and, again, you know, it, it's, you know, once a radical, always a radical. Yeah. You, if you, this has not changed the way you behave, in fact, in some cases, it only enforces the way you behave and you continue to behave the same way. Think about this, the protests and everything in the support for Hamas on college campuses. That's reprehensible. But you're not going to change your radical. You're not. You won't. And it's not exclusive to any region or nationality. We're seeing it very much so right here in the U.S. And if we're attacked... On U.S. soil, I'm sure they'll say, well, it was our fault. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's our fault. It was must have been something we've done. You see Dershowitz respond to the uh, the the lesbian and trans groups mm-hmm. supporting Hamas. Yeah. He said, well, you should go to Gaza. You should go to Gaza. You should go to Gaza them. and volunteer. Show them your support. Yeah. Go, go there. Go to Gaza. Show yes. them your support. Meet with them directly. Let's see what they say about yeah. you. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's pure insanity. But when you practice identity politics, and we read the article from Noah Rothman in National Review where he mentioned the Atlantic article mm-hmm. from uh, the uh, one uh, liberal writer who was talking about, you know, the people on the left and how they approve of this and mm-hmm. how you get there. Mm-hmm. Use different words, but the definition of those words were judging people by groups and not as individuals which is exactly when this all started when we saw this happening on the uh, on on the college campuses we said look this is the identity politics which is mainstream of the democratic party now the the actual you know you don't have the it's mainstream identity politics right including jews in there has not been mainstream in you know in identity politics uh, to the extent that it's been for other demographics. But the fact is, all these liberals did was, we practice identity politics, throw Jews in there. Mm-hmm. Jews are privileged. Hamas is not. Mm-hmm. Kill Kill Jews. Yeah. That's the philosophy. That that that's what it comes down to. Yes, demonize and which again you have to stereotype Jews in order to get there. They have and, no problem doing and, that. And you look at every everything that you see right now coming from from Democrats and liberals. And I'm talking about DEI. You and I talked about that. You know the the what the the training that's going on in most major corporations in America. Mm-hmm. There's one major flaw. 
they're preaching that they're they're there to stop stereotyping and therefore racism, yet they are enacting the same policies of the people that they claim to abhor because they look and they say, oh, this is the way white people think. Mm-hmm. This is the way bosses think. This is the way management thinks. This is the way people think, and they, you know, generically stereotype you. And this is where it all starts. It all starts from identity politics. It all, and that is mainstream of the Democratic Party. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's yeah, safe. I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the top of uh, the hour, we'll have the uh, latest from the mass shooting in uh, Maine. More on the uh, new speaker and where the Republicans go uh, from uh, here, plus a whole bunch more. Uh, What else we got coming up here? I've got so much here. Mm -hmm. Oh, new report unmasks the true cost of electric vehicle mandates. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, but it's it's stuff we already know, but they actually did research on it. I like having the facts, you know, some numbers uh, attached to it. Uh, you know, there was word about uh, the new batteries that they say they're on the brink of bringing to the market. And then, you know, you got half the analysts going, no, you're not. You may have identified what the technology is going to be, mass producing those batteries, getting them to the market and making them cheap and affordable. Right. We're long ways away from that. Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. 
uh, really no new kind of information on the mass shooting in uh, uh, in uh, Maine, in Lewiston, Maine. Uh, Robert Card is the person of interest that they are looking for. Mm. Apparently, they did find a vehicle in uh, Lisbon, uh, Maine. Right. A right. vehicle of interest. Right. Uh, said law enforcement is attempting to locate Robert Card as a person of interest regarding the mass shooting. Uh, police, uh, please contact law enforcement if you're uh, aware of his whereabouts. I'm going to assume that they, I mean, the, some of the pictures are really clear. You could see his face. Yes. Right. Was he identified? Was I, they, didn't, they don't say how he was identified. No, they don't. Uh, NBC reporting in the last half hour or so. Uh, that the number of people believed to be killed in the shooting is between 15 and 20. Fox News has been reporting 22 uh, for well over an hour at least. And according, they say at NBC News, according to law enforcement, 50 people were injured, not all of whom were shot. So we're following this uh, story out of Lewiston, Maine, as the suspect, the person of interest, as they call him, uh, the the uh, local police there in Lewiston uh, say that the person of interest has still not been found. And and just so people know, they use person of interest instead of suspect now. Right. Yeah. And they have since the Olympic bombing. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's you know this when we get into situations like this, you basically have to go by what the authorities tell you. And that information can change. That's why the numbers are always, uh, you know, kind of uh, a little bit off, depending on uh, which report you're looking at, because it is a very, uh, as you can imagine, very hectic situation right now there in Lewiston and trying to treat all of those who are injured and also trying to identify all of those uh, who are dead. Uh, Then you have to notify families. Uh, There is an investigation at not one, but two shooting scenes. And, of course, the primary goal of finding the person responsible and getting them into custody as soon as possible. And so very much an active situation there in Lewiston, Maine. And we'll follow it throughout the morning. Uh, Any any news that breaks is going to is going to happen. The the authorities will be talking to the media immediately. Again, as the. uh, Suspect has not been caught just yet. Uh, and it's uh, Lewiston, the, the Maine. It's well known. I mean, it's not like people haven't heard of Lewiston, Maine. It's the second biggest city, but it's only in Maine. But it's only uh, population estimated to be around thirty-seven thousand. Right. That's it. Yeah. So for most people, that would be viewed as a small town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little. Larger, a few thousand more than Del Rio, Texas. So just, uh, just horrendous. Yeah, just horrendous. Now they they have said. I mean, the the reports out there that he had mental problems was actually in a mental facility for two mm. weeks this past summer, mm. and right. was hearing voices and right. things like that. Is being yeah. it was is being reported. Mm. Now I guess the manhunt means because I wasn't sure until I saw read the the. Uh, the, the part where they said, a, you know, a vehicle, you know, they, they found a vehicle of, of interest. Right, right. Which I was wondering, is he on the run in the in the car? Is mm. he, you know, did he dump the vehicle and run into the woods? Mm. 
they haven't been specific on that, at mm-hmm. least in the national news stories. Right. They may have done that locally. Right. Where there's more information coming from the local police. Right. And uh, and maybe local, you know, uh, TV, radio, whatever, out of Portland, Maine, right, and Lewiston, Maine. Mm-hmm. So, but just uh, just horrible. Uh, 86690 Red Eye, if you'd like to get in, just th- this is from uh, Politico. Uh, we just got a ton of stories. There's so many stories out there. And, you know, the Mike Johnson story, okay, we've got it. We, you know, it's, we'll see what happens with, uh, with, uh, with, with that. And so, you know, we've talked about that really for the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. And so, until something is done, we know the first bill that he's going to bring up is about support for Israel. Yeah. Now, I guess the controversy there would be the fact of the president wants money for Israel, Ukraine, you know, just in general. And uh, Johnson did not include Ukraine in that. Yeah, when you're he right. talked about right. when he talked about the uh, what he would do first. Right. It is Israel. Right. Is what he was talking. Well, about. and this was this should have been a very this should have been the primary goal after the attacks on Israel by Hamas. For the GOP, this should, in the House, this should have been the primary goal. You need to find a speaker as soon as possible, and you need to get together as a party, and we need to show our support for Israel. Um, it will be interesting to see what the back and forth between new leadership in the House and the White House is going to be. I, I suspect nothing is going to change, but I do wonder what the approach will be by Mike Johnson. I mean, he seems very clear. He had very clearly an agenda. You know, he knows what work needs to be done, and it should be the first item in showing support for Israel. Um, Number one, I think, to, again, carve out the radicals from everybody else with those official votes as you bring something to the floor. And then, of course, beyond that, as leader of the House of Representatives, officially show our support for Israel, which I think Israel gets. I think they understand that by a number of representatives in the House of Representatives, uh, in the GOP especially. But this is going to be something more official where you're sending that message. And even if it's uh, a little too late, uh, it still is important to do. Well, it just made me furious yesterday when you know, playing the audio cuts of Kirby and, and others in the administration and Blinken talking about the fact that, you know, basically warning, uh, you know, Iran, don't have if your proxies attack us, we're going to go after you. And it's like they've already attacked. That, that, that's already happened. That's already, they already did. That. They already have attacked. What, what you know, what, what what the hell's going on here? I mean, that that's part of the frustrating thing. Don't say it then. Just don't say anything. Yeah. But don't sit there and say, we're going to be tough here, and if you attack us, we're going to go after you when American Americans have already been attacked. Several American troops stationed in the Middle East have reported symptoms of traumatic brain injury following rocket and drone attacks launched by Iran proxies over the past week, according to two U.S. officials uh, with knowledge of the incidents. This comes from Politico, not a conservative right. publication. Mm. There have been a few reports of traumatic brain injuries as well as Injuries from service members, said one of the U.S. officials. Uh, however, uh, the injured reserve service members have all been returned to duty, added the official who, like others interviewed for this story, was granted anonymity because they were not authorized to speak publicly. How can you have a traumatic brain injury and be put back to duty? 
That doesn't make any kind of sense. No. What is the definition of a traumatic brain injury then? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense this is a, This is the kind of stuff that you get. You just go, what, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, that I doesn't just, make any sense at all. Yeah. Hmm. You, I guess one would assume if you have symptoms of traumatic brain injury, mm-hmm. well, that the treatment well, is not going to be very well, simple. You're not going to play in the NFL for a long time, right. but we'll put you back to duty as a soldier. Is mm-hmm. that what you're? Is that what we're saying here? Just mm-hmm. yeah. Oh God. Just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, boggles the mind. Um, you know, it it will be interesting to see too. The fact that we've seen this administration move the goalpost on how many items. On national defense, you can't move the goalpost. But they seem to be doing that. You know, with the, with the response to Iran. Well, if they attack us, no, that already happened. Well, if they do it again, <laughs> they'll pay for it. You just wait and see. You better be careful, as Biden told Iran several days ago. What does that mean? What do you mean by that? How can you not be clear? But when you when you build this out and give the upper hand to Iran to begin with, in a number of ways, then this doesn't phase you at all. The fact that it didn't take long after we released those funds to Qatar, and the fact that this administration has allowed Iran to sell oil on the global marketplace and make tens of billions of dollars every year doing it. Well, when Iran's proxies attack, what are they going to do? Nothing. They're going to wag their finger. You better watch it, mister. We'll do something. And they're sitting there laughing. Our enemy is laughing at us. Hamas, Iran, Hezbollah, they all laugh at us. Just as... The Taliban did in the botched exit of Afghanistan. The Taliban, when you go back and look at that summer, the Taliban ran that show. It's why the the guy in charge of all of it left in the middle of it because he didn't want to be a part of it. He didn't want to be responsible for that. And he left. And this president lied about, oh, all the generals agree. No, they didn't. And the Taliban, they had full control of that. They had full control till the very end. Our service members died. Americans were left behind. Equipment was left behind that has now been put in use against American interests. We know that for a fact, and yet still nothing is done about it. Here we are in the United States under the presidency of Joe Biden. That's who he is. He is wholly incapable. He does not care at all about anything that doesn't revolve around him, Joe Biden. It's all about him. 
He doesn't like the gig. He doesn't care if you don't like him. He's going to the beach over the weekend in the wake of the horrific attacks on Israel. That's who he is. That's Joe Biden as a person. There are people all over the world grieving, still in shock. Not Joe Biden. Ice cream cone in hand, sand under the feet. And then yesterday, I mean, he's talking about, you know, the, remember when he uh, over the summer renounced uh, the, the uh, his plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian yeah. Ocean. Remember, it's like, yeah. what yeah. the hell are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. I mean, just, and here, here he is yesterday. Let me play this audio cut from mm. yesterday as he talks about the situation in the Middle East. We want to, for example, at the, G, at the G20, we were able to act on a proposal I had to bring, to build a railroad all the way from Riyadh, all the way through the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Israel, up through Greece, and then across, the, not the railroad, but pipeline across the, the, the Mediterranean up into Europe. We don't, they don't even know what he's talking about, a railroad or a pipeline. The hell you, it's just. Mumbling. Mumbling. Do I, do I have to remind anyone that the political season for 2024 officially hasn't even begun? I mean, uh, who was it? Who was the member of Congress that said he's going to primary against Biden? I don't remember. It was it was something that happened yesterday, and I just kind of scoffed at it. It's not going to make any news. It wasn't really, and nothing's really going to happen. But eventually, you would think Joe Biden would be asked to go on to a debate stage or maybe just do an interview. He's getting worse by the day. How do you let him out? This is why they can't let him anywhere on the weekends except for on the beach, surrounded by by uh, by the Secret Service and protected from the media. 86690-RED-EYE. Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay per mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Brought to you by Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. 
That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. It's Run Out Radio. He is Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following uh, the bottom of the hour, you'll want to hear this. It's uh, the re- Republicans grilling members of uh, uh, Homeland Security mm. on uh, on the border. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so sick and tired, you know, whether and it wasn't Mayorkas. It's other it's uh, uh, other uh, representatives. Uh, one Biden State Department uh, official, uh, Joseph uh, Salazar, just uh, one of them. A couple of people, I think, uh, from Department of Homeland Security. No idea. You know, it's like Mayorkas when, oh, we've got the border controlled. Well, do you know how many people are coming across? No. They just, they sit there and say everything's under control, but they can't answer any questions. They don't know anything. Right. And this seems to be, the you know, this kind of, well, what we're going to do is we're going to say everything is fine, but we know nothing. Well, you Every, know, the, the, yeah, the, the sergeant the, the play stupid re- routine, which they have done over and over again. When you get down to the numbers and the actual facts, well, I don't have that in front of me right here, right now. It's almost like they're saying, well, that's not part of my job. They don't realize how stupid they make themselves sound. And it's just it's just frustrating. I mean, it's really, really it it gets to be frustrating because you don't. And, and maybe the anger's out there. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in 2024. You know, at, at, at times you sit back and you shake your head. And when you see the polling yesterday of young people on Hamas and you go, well, then we've lost we've lost a significant portion of an entire generation mm-hmm. if they truly feel that Hamas, uh, you know, is justified in what they're doing. And a significant portion of those people understand that it is a genocide and still agree with Hamas. These are American citizens now. Yeah. 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 That, that, that you're talking about young people. And you can see on both parties, on both sides, because you have 95% of people over the age of 65. Well, right. you're talking baby boomers there yeah. that, you know, went through the Cold War, went through Vietnam, mm-hmm. you know, have seen a lot of things, went through, you know, uh, the, the civil rights era and everything else. And they look at it's horrendous. What the hell changes in a society when you have basically their grandkids OK with the mentality of a Nazi Holocaust? You know, and, and so everything, right, I see that, and then I'm going, well, maybe maybe they're not going to change. Maybe they're okay. Maybe the young people are okay with chaos at the border. Maybe they're okay with crime in the cities. Maybe they're, you know, okay with inflation and things being too expensive. Maybe their mentality is we're going to live for today, and if I die tomorrow, so be it. That hope is gone, that everything is gone, because what the hell causes that kind of mindset that so many young people currently have.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. All right, just going to play some audio cuts now. This is uh, uh, Senate oversight Mm. of what's going on at the border yesterday. Mm. Uh, And you had officials from Biden's State Department and Department of Homeland Security. All right. All right. We're going to start with uh, Senator Kennedy. Let me make sure I have the right one here. I want to make sure I've got the one that I want. Okay, here we here we go. This is Senator Kennedy. All right. Here. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Morant, um, since President Biden's been president, uh, how many non-American citizens have come into our country illegally or on the basis of a claim of asylum? Thank you, Senator. Um, HSI as an investigative agency is... Uh, how, how, do you know the number? No, Senator. You're a senior member of Homeland Security, are you not? That's correct. Does anybody know the number? None of you know the number. Try 8 million. Now, of that 8 million, how many were children, Mr. Morant? I don't have that number. You don't know. Does anybody know? None of you know. Isn't that special? Let's assume half. Okay. Eight million is four Nebraskas. Right? Four new states. Let's assume, I don't think it's as high, half of them are children. How many of the how many of those eight million people are still here? Do any of you know? Okay. Um, how many how many of those eight million are claiming asylum? You don't know. How many of them claim asylum and don't show up for their hearing? Nobody knows. How many of them claim asylum, don't show up for the hearing, and President Biden has deported them? You don't know? How how many of them have claimed asylum, shown up for their asylum hearing, and been denied asylum, and been deported? You don't know. All right, that's Senator Kennedy, which which is just maddening because it's like they, you know, Department of Homeland Security has no idea what's going on. The the lead officials, no idea what's going on at the border. None. State Department, no idea of anything that's going on at the border. None. Not even rough numbers. Nothing. They they go before the Senate and they can't answer any questions. All right, here's John Cornyn from Texas. All right, here we go. Did you know? that in 2022 that people from 174 different countries came to our border and uh, were released into the interior of the United States, 174 countries? Did you know that? Sorry, no, sir, I did not. And did you know so far in 2023, uh, people from 143 countries have come to 
our border and been released by the Biden administration into the interior of the United States. Did you know that number? No, sir, I did not. That was Joseph uh, Salazar, uh, Biden State Department uh, official. Now we go to Senator Hawley here uh, and uh, asking uh, more questions. Here we go. You say you've read it. Let's talk a little bit about that New York Times report, if we could. Here's a quote from the April 17th installment. Again and again, veteran government staffers and outside contractors told HHS, including reports that reached the secretary, that children appeared to be at risk. Did you warn the secretary that children were at risk? Senator, I'm in regular contact with the secretary. Did you warn him that children were at risk? Safety and well-being of children is our top priority. Did you warn him that children were at risk? I'm not going to get into the conversations I've had. You're here and you're under oath and this is an oversight hearing. And we need to know what you're doing because you're manifestly not doing your job. Did you warn him that children were at risk? Do you believe that children are at risk? Let's start with that. Yes. Okay. Did you warn the secretary? Senator, I'm not going to get into the specifics of my conversation, but I would like the opportunity. Why wouldn't to talk you about, warn the secretary that children were at I risk? I would like the opportunity to talk about what. Uh, again, they don't want to answer any of the questions. No. We just want to talk about what we what we do and what our mission is. Yep. Uh, here's more from uh, Senator Hawley. Ms. Marcos, can I just start with you? You testified a moment ago to Senator Butler that every child gets a know your rights presentation. Is that correct? That is correct. Is that before or after you release them to labor traffickers? Senator, every child that comes into our care gets a Know Your Rights presentation as well as... Have you read these New York Times reports, these stories, the the series of stories the New York Times has done on the children who are in your care? Have you read them? Yes, I have. Have you read that children are scrubbing dishes... They are operating heavy machinery. They are delivering, delivering meals. They are harvesting coffee. They are working construction. They are working as housekeepers. They are working overnight shifts at plants where they are not paid. They are not going to school. They are not cared for. They are not giving meals, almost all of it illegally. Are you aware of that? That's a yes or no. Yes. Just maddening. If you watched any of it yesterday, it was just maddening. And, and the Democrats just ignore it completely they just don't well i mean remember uh you know the one of the first hearings that in in the house that they wanted to have on the border actually a couple of the first hearings democrats wouldn't even show up they don't want to be a part of it because and and now they can't really say anything about it if you're in the senate or the house because you've got (laughs) Mayor Adams in New York City, while he still says sanctuary city policy is a sound policy, it's a successful model after asking a judge to do away with it. <laughs> he he, and and other prominent Democrats are screaming, we're dying here, we can't. We can't control this. Remember when Obama was president and we came up with that slogan that he's not even trying, which then became the Democrats aren't even trying? Yeah. Well, they've taken that to the thousandth power now. Yeah. When you think yeah. about it. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's absolutely, it's like, oh, no, everything. here's what we're doing. Well, here's what we're supposed to be doing, and we care. Well, this is what's going on. Can you talk about it? 
No. Do you know about the specifics of how bad the problem is? No. Do you know anything? We know that we're really trying hard and doing our jobs. That's what you're basically getting from them. Yeah. Well, a new poll found that nearly two-thirds of New Yorkers blame President Biden for the migrant crisis. According to a Siena College poll released on Tuesday, 64% of New Yorkers disapprove of the job Biden is doing to address the recent influx of migrants in the state as of October. That includes 48% of Democrats uh, who uh, blame Biden for his handling of the crisis, 91% of Republicans, and 72% of independents. The poll found 40% of New Yorkers disapprove and just 30% approve of how New York City Mayor Eric Adams has addressed the influx of migrants. And as for New York Governor Kathy Hochul, 52% disapprove, 37% approve. By the way, that means when you see that 48% of Democrats uh, blame Biden or, or give him a failing grade for handling uh, the uh, uh, crisis, that means, I guess, then, that the majority of Democrats are either, I don't know, or Biden's doing a wonderful job, and they want the chaos that's going on in the cities. Yeah. There is no other. What is the other reason? What is the other reason where they would say, we approve of what Biden is doing, we approve of what uh, what uh, Adams is doing, we approve of what Hochul is doing? How? You want the absolute chaos to continue. Right. You're either you're either lying. Look, we have to take you at your word on something like this. I don't know why you would lie about it. Or you approve of the chaos. And it's more likely that you approve of this chaos. While other issues in Washington and abroad have largely driven the news cycle over the last few weeks, Mm. the influx of migrants in New York remains top of mind for voters, Mm -hmm. with 84% saying it's serious, 57% very serious problem for the state. Siena College uh, pollster said, seldom do we see an issue where at least 79% of Democrats, Republicans, independents, men, women, Upstaters, downstaters, blacks, whites, Latinos, Catholics, Jews, and Protestants all agree that the migrant influx is a serious problem. So it's a serious problem, but a significant portion of those Democrats in that case say it's a serious problem, it's horrible, but Biden and those guys are doing a great job. They caused it! Yeah. A strong majority of voters last month uh, who said by 22 points that New Yorkers must work to slow the flow of migrants rather than accept and assil- ass- uh, assimilate them has grown to an overwhelming 35-point majority now, Greenberg assessed. That view is shared by 52% of Republicans, 68% of, of Independents, and 52% of Democrats, as well as two-thirds of downstaters and 59% of upstaters. While plurality of New Yorkers do not approve of the job Adams is doing to address the influx of migrants, a 58 to 32 percent majority of New Yorkers, including a narrow plurality of Democrats, agree with Adams' statement that this issue will destroy New York City. A majority of whites, 60 percent, black, 57 percent, and Latinos, 
51% of voters all agree. Greenberg assessed New York uh, that New York remains a true blue state as 49% of voters are enrolled as Democrats and only 23% as Republican. And saying those numbers really are incredible for the blue state that mm. New York is. Mm-hmm. And so you get to the point of what will change Democrats and, and those independents who lead lean Democrats? When will they... Forget about even voting Republican. When will they openly, even in a verbal way, in a protest way, come up and tell the Democrats you got to change? Because I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a radical position if you're a Democrat to say, you're for a Democrat. I'm going from the Democrat point of view. Mm. I mean, if you're a Democrat to begin with and haven't abandoned them, I can't understand that. Mm. But I'm just saying from the point of a Democrat, I, I would it be radical for them to say, look, I was born a Democrat. My parents were Democrats. My grandparents were Democrats. I really, I've always supported the Democratic Party, but they've just gone crazy now. And if they don't change because everything they do is insane, I may have to vote Republican. That's not a radical thing for anybody with any type of critical thinking skills to say. No, it isn't. Um, if you apply those critical thinking skills, if you possess those critical thinking skills to begin with. But th- then you look at it <laughs> and 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 realize where we are. You know. It will be very interesting to look and see what the turnout is, is after we get past November of next year. Because voter apathy is a is a very big thing. And it could be that a number of Democrats just stay home saying, well, I'm not going to vote Republican. I'm just not going to vote for Democrats, though. I'm not going to give them my support. I will not endorse this kind of behavior. And I guess we'll see. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the top of the hour, the FBI received criminal information from over 40 confidential sources on Joe Biden, Hunter, and James Biden. That came from Senator Grassley mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. This thing is heating up. Well, you and I wondered, with everything going on right now at the department, under the umbrella of the Department of Justice, um... You know, how many whistleblowers might there be about this kind of uh, behavior or that kind of behavior? But now, according to Grassley, wow, you've got 40 FBI insiders. That's not a small thing. We did talk yesterday about the Democrats responding to the $200,000. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Comer was great in responding to that mm-hmm. because Goldman said, well, that proves that Joe Biden loaned his brother 200000 He's trying to help his family. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then Comer go, you know what you're saying there? Do you understand what that means? Right. We'll get to that coming up. Mm.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Well, what we're experiencing here, somebody's going to say is climate change, right? Because right now, I mean, we're just, we're getting rain like you can't believe. Yeah. When I was coming into work, uh, it was like the lines on the road was, was like a swim lane. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's basically it. <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, in some places we're getting, what, an inch and a half an hour? Yeah. Right now, I mean, it's just. We're it's, under a flash flood warning for yep. our area. Yep. And it, during the break, during the top of the hour, I just peeked out the front door. It's just coming down. I mean, it's just a river of water. The parking lot's just a river of water. Yeah. yeah, I took the new car. I got new tires on it. I wanted to make sure I had the car with the deepest tread. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've got a a, a high-profile truck. I've got a four-inch lift on my truck, and I'm still thinking, I don't know. I have to bump that up a couple of inches next time. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, that's I at the end of my street and in my neighborhood. It's the uh, it it runs into the oldest street in my neighborhood, and so everything the runoff is you know it it all goes down there because that particular street uh, has a very different kind of system, right? Uh, in, in terms mm-hmm. of the runoff, so. It collects to go into this system under that main street at the end of my street. So inevitably, with any rain, my street goes downhill toward that area, and it's just it's just standing. What's well, it's mm-hmm. moving, but it is just deep, deep water. And I think if I were in my wife's SUV. It would have been a lot tougher getting through that water. Wow, wow. Yeah. Well, luckily, all the roads that I come in are relatively new, with massive storm sewers underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these uh, have you know this this is this has a you know a system that goes right to a river, which is uh, not even a half a block over. But it's just the 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 rate of rain. It's you're just not going to keep up with it. And you know, one of the things we've seen too is that in this area with so many people moving. By the way, I read a story that said we will be the largest metro area in the U.S. in, when did they say? Uh, 2,100. 2,100, yeah. 35 million people. Yeah. They say Dallas-Fort Worth will be in. Now, again, to extrapolate that far out, Mm -hmm. you know, to me, it's like who knows what's going to happen in the United States when it comes to, De- you know, dem- state demographic change, but it does come to the fact of what you know you and I have talked about about, and we'll get to that a little bit later on because I want to make sure we stay with weather because mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple more things I want to say about climate change. But uh, it, you know, we have talked about is is this 
the big difference because California is not going to change the liberal ideas that they have any time in the next decade or so. Right. New York's not going to change it. Illinois is not going to change it. They're not. The only way they're going to do it is when they're forced to do it because of population shift. Mm-hmm. And maybe then they won't even do it. Yeah. And and so when you see this, because and COVID probably, you know, the, the thing that that uh, liberals looked at in COVID locking everything down may be their doom. Mm-hmm. OK, this is a way that we wish to have control. That may be the beginning of their doom. But when you see by twenty one hundred. So you're talking seventy five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're talking that. And and if you look at the population growth, it you know, in in Texas over the last since I've been here, 23 years, mm-hmm. it's like two and a half million more people. Yeah. So if you put that out 75 years, you know, and you it just keeps growing and growing. And there's so much room here. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just so much room. Well, when I moved here, and I, I don't live far from the studios, but when I, I moved to this area, and we only lived a, a couple of hours away, uh, uh, when we moved here, everything behind our studios all the way to the airport, it was a field. Now yeah. there's, it's all houses, apartment buildings, and uh, businesses between here and, and major warehouse. Amazon has a major warehouse uh, in that direction. And so you see that, and, and we started seeing that, and they, in this local area, had not accounted for the water runoff in, in a situation like we're in right now. Because there was uh, just, uh, where what would it be, um, just east of here is another town that shares this creek that I'm talking about that runs uh, very close to my house. It's been, it's, it's been in existence for hundreds of years, I'm told. But the runoff used to be different because there was this huge park in that town east of here, right? So you have the grass mm-hmm. that absorbs everything. The park is gone, and now it's all apartment buildings. Well, the apartment buildings, those roof systems collect the water, pour the water out onto the concrete and then onto the, so it doesn't go into the ground. It's not getting saturated in the same way if it were all, as if it were all grass back in the day when it was all grass. And we saw uh, not just, just a few blocks from here a couple of years ago, something I thought I'd never see. And there's a there is a street in my neighborhood where the water, because of that river system, that river comes through it. There's a golf mm-hmm. course. You've probably been to that golf course. I know you've heard of it. Um, and there's a river that that creek goes through there. A very scenic park. They they built around it and the whole thing. But the overflow from this this water had gotten up to the 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 into the houses that all sit up on a hill in front of that creek on each side. So it's not like it easily comes up. It would be like water coming up to my door. My front yard slopes at a very good pace. I've never seen the water come up over the curb. Well, these people had water on their front porch about to breach their house, and it had to do with the system, the drain system and everything else that they didn't account for. Because the growth was so huge and fast, and we're seeing that, you know, right now. Now, they've remedied that situation, but it's one of the things you have to plan for, just like the expanding I-35, uh, just a couple of blocks from here, which apparently is going to last 100 years. That's going to 
That's going to take till long after we're larger than New York City. And then they're going to have to expand it all over again. And, you know, all of these things you do to accommodate massive amounts of people moving to your area. And I, I don't know what it looks like, honestly, 20 years from now, if I'm retired. I, I don't know what what this area looks like in terms of, like, the infrastructure of, you know, getting A to B. I mean, it's a large city, and it's it's grown tremendously in the 30 years that we've lived here. But, you know, I I saw this resurgence of people moving not just to suburbs, but moving to smaller towns, wanted to get even further away from cities. But here it seems like all of our small towns have just become suburbs now the more we build north of this area. That all create their little mini cities. Yeah. With, they do with, with skyscrapers. No, it's, it's crazy. Like, it really is. It's crazy the <laughs> development and watching it, and it's and, and it used to be that you could drive for a while, and there was you know a little bit of a nothingness between one part, you know, the the, the uh, outer part of the DFW area, and then the first small town, and now it's like all melding together as one, and it's just it's crazy to watch. It really is. And it's just getting crazier. Here it is. In total, Texas could be home to over 87 million people hmm. by 2100. Yeah. That includes the populations of Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, and Austin, according to the study. Hmm. The study's projection of population growth by 2100. Dallas, 33.91 million. Houston, 31.38 million. Wow. That's insane. That's insane. And and what do you have to do to accommodate that many people in one one area? Well, you know, New York is 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 New York City is uh a much, you know, smaller area and we have a little more land here in Texas. But the demand isn't that it boggles my mind sometimes when I see people that don't mind living like right close to a freeway. Now, I, I think I live too close to two major freeways and and interstates. Uh, when I moved here, you couldn't hear as much noise as you can hear now. But people in the generations behind us, they really don't care about that. They want to be right in the middle of all of it. They want to be centrally located. Well, in order to accommodate that many people, you have to start building in the sky. You have to start building multi-layer homes. I'm seeing an update here from the Daily Mail UK. Hmm. Is the future of America in Texas? Dallas, Houston, and Austin are poised to replace New York City, Los Angeles, and Chicago as the largest cities in the United States, but not for another 77 years. Yeah. Texas's population expected to reach 96 million now mm. by 2100, mm. making it the largest in the United States. Dallas expected to be the home to thir- that would be Dallas Fort Worth mm. area, yeah, yeah. Uh, North Texas, uh, to be home to 34 million by the turn of the century. Wow. And 
you know, when, when you see, for example, if you ever landed, and it's interesting that you talked about this, this area just when, when you were younger. Mm-hmm. I remember when I worked in Marshall, Texas, and we had to pick up something from DFW, the airport. Mm-hmm. And so we went in the north entrance, and there was nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. This, this there. is like '85. Yeah, there was yeah. nothing. No, it was, I mean, now, yeah. now it's a now it's a it, it's a it's a it's a concrete jungle. Yeah. Uh, in 77 years, New York, Chicago, and L.A. will be replaced by Texas cities as the largest in the nation. A study from Move Buddha claims the mm-hmm. moving company made the bold projections by applying 2010 to 2020 census growth rates to the top U.S. metropolitan areas. Now there may be some flaws in doing that. Yeah, in, well, in, in, it, in, it, in extrapolating out it, from that. It implies that there won't be any change in the population shift and the reasons and that the reasons that people are motivated to move here will be the same. And that won't be the case uh, necessarily. Now, I love I love our state. And I love living in this area when I no longer have to, uh, you know, live inside the metro area uh, because of my my work or, you know, my my kids or grandkids are close. You know, yeah, a place out in the in the country would sound great. And we do have some land. But, you know, that, you know, getting to that point is is also a big, big challenge. Because not everybody can do that. You know, I know what it takes to live, uh, you know, where you're a, a pretty good drive from your doctor, you're a pretty good drive from shopping and everything else. Um, and so those, those are real considerations. And beyond that, land in Texas is not cheap anymore. Hasn't been for a number of years, in fact. And, but the reason is you're not you're not talking about because the majority of Texas would not be considered vacation land like a Florida or California mm-hmm. with the long coastline that they that they have there. Mm-hmm. Not that we don't have coastline here, but it's not not the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at it; it's not the pleasant temperatures during the summer. No, no. Uh, we have, you know, and, and so when you look at it's it. It's the economy. Well, it's the economy. It's mm-hmm. all economic, all is the economy, which yeah. gets to the politics of your state. Right. And it's a question that we ask. And again, I do believe you could find some flaws in the fact that they're just taking the growth rate between 2010 and 2020. Assuming which, they're, they're assuming everything stays the same. And right. And everything, all those same principles apply and I don't know if that will necessarily be the case. I, I do believe, well, at some point, if we get to a tipping point and we have enough blue voters <laughs> in Texas, could that change the policy that changes the economy and then has people leaving Texas for California where conservatives have taken over? <laughs> it's the year 2100. Keep in mind. <laughs> oh, okay, more, more, to, more to come on this topic. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, when we got talking about the weather here and uh, that because we're just getting the, the rain we're getting right now is incredible. Mm. But and we started out with the point of, you know, the whole somebody's going to say the thing. Well, that's because of climate change. Whenever we have a drought, it's climate change. But basically, Texas is drought, flood. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what. That's why you have, yeah, yeah. if you land at DFW Airport, you'll be landing, you'll look, you go, look at all the beautiful lakes. Wow, you got a ton of beautiful lakes, all man-made, every mm-hmm. single one of them. Mm-hmm. Number one reason, flood control. You yeah. build down here, you need flood control. They're already yeah. planning. You know, they. The, you see it all the time, the planning, knowing that the entire Metroplex here, DFW, is going to expand mm-hmm. massive new lakes. They just, I think, just finished one, they're, or they're almost yeah. done with one. Uh, northeast of here, yeah, and 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 so it's it and so when you look at it and you look at the projection because then when we started talking about uh, that because we're going to hear the cry the cry of climate change. Mm-hmm. See, you have droughts, you have floods. Mm-hmm. When haven't we? Right, you know. Then you yeah. can see the planning of 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 all the lakes that exist over the last century here because that's what we are. Yep, that's it. And so, what pulls people in? Because it gets hot here. Now, personally, I love the weather here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like what I find is a lot of Texans don't like the heat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the heat coming from Buffalo. I, I look at it and go, really, it's only June, July, August. Really, middle mm-hmm. of June, middle of September. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the, you get the rain like we do now. But really, the the weather, you know, take out the fire ants and all that, but you can control them and, you know, that, that kind of thing. Because they, they can be bothersome. But... If if you if you do your due diligence yard work, mm-hmm. you can take care of you can take care of all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the climate's really great. Yeah, from middle of September to you know middle of June, it's wonderful. Oh yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Now again, you have tornadoes, but you've got tornadoes in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, you've got hurricanes, but that that's what you get on the Gulf. But if you're inland, really doesn't affect you except maybe for by the time it reaches up here. You know, you get tropical storms, mm-hmm. you know, on the on the coast. Yes. But so you say, you know, but people don't view most people don't view Texas as a as a Florida, mm-hmm. you know, or as a California. Mm-hmm. And so why are they coming here? Economy, economy, cost of living, uh, an expanding economy that is I mean, it's just mm. unreal, you know, spending time actually on the coast and and uh in the Galveston area uh, a couple of times already this year. I wanted to go during uh, last week's vacation, but uh, uh, COVID had something to say about that, to go fishing again. And I, and when you go down there and you go out off into the waters, uh, it, it the shipping lanes have become more crowded down there because uh, the lanes or the, the shipping yards out on the West Coast from L.A., they moved a lot of that a couple of years ago. You and I talked mm-hmm. about that to Texas, Savannah, Georgia, and uh, New York, New Jersey. And so it's a little more crowded, but it's still so, it's unbelievable to see the economy working. I mean, just nonstop. It really is great. And that's why people are coming.
Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. This Now, this is really interesting here when you and I were just talking about We We started on this conversation because we were talking about how it's raining here mm. like crazy. I mean, it's a monsoon yeah. uh, right now, and it has been raining all this week. Mm. And it, it's interesting because you go from drought, nothing, yeah. to saying, stop raining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> About a week ago, I went, I'm really enjoying this cloudy weather. Now it's like, go away, go away, come back. But Texas, if you look at it, in its history is drought, monsoon. Mm -hmm. That's why you've got all the lakes here when you land in Texas. You go, oh, look at all the lakes. Yeah, they're all man-made. First reason, control flooding. Mm -hmm. But uh, then we start talking about, because we never got a chance to talk about it, the projections out there of population growth in the United States by 2100. And... Texas, 96 million people. It's 30 million right now. So in 75 years, they say Texas will triple its population. Mm. Uh, Much of the growth. Now, a lot of people are moving to Florida from around the country, but people from Florida are apparently moving to Texas. Much of the growth has been the result of people defecting from California and Florida. Mm. Real estate. Texas.com reported Louisiana, Illinois, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Georgia, Arizona were the other top states for people uh, moving to Texas. But California and Florida, that's really interesting because Florida's seen an increase from like New York. Well, unless did they did they pay attention to Mayor Adams? (laughs) Did they all? Uh, the the Dallas region has had the had the biggest population growth of any U.S. metro area last year. Talking actual numbers of people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think uh, did was Austin number one by percentage. But the Dallas region had the biggest population growth of any U.S. metro area last year. Uh, much of the new growth in suburban areas of the city, which is true, over a hundred and seventy thousand. People moved to Dallas last year. Hmm. Uh, Texas added new residents to every single large city. Dallas, Houston, Fort Worth, Austin, and San Antonio. And I I believe that Tarrant County, the county I live in, which is Fort Worth, was the fastest growing area Hmm. or county in the United States. Hmm. Uh, Moving... uh, Moving giant U-Haul ranks Texas the number one growth state of 2022. Even though relocating slowed down in other parts of the country during and after the pandemic, it has not in Texas. Listen to this, Eric. Movers arriving in Texas accounted for nearly 50.3% of all one-way U-Haul truck traffic in the United States. Crazy, huh? That's massive. Said uh, the uh, Northeast Houston president of U-Haul, Texas is great because you have low cost of living, no state income tax, and deregulated energy costs. Well, we'll screw that up. Yeah. Uh, Texas is also, well, I hope we don't. Hope hope we will Actually, learn. state lawmakers moved on that, um, you know, in yeah, limiting know. the... Uh, number of uh, solar and wind mm-hmm. growth, uh, the the amount of solar and wind growth. 
Texas is also the energy capital of the United States. We're home to every major industry. Mm. Anything you're looking for in Texas, you can find in Texas. The uh, U-Haul name Missouri City and Conroe in the Houston area and Richardson uh, in the, the Dallas area as the top growth cities. Roanoke, Porter, Fire, College Station, Cypress, Mesquite, Magnolia, Huntsville, Longview, Prosper, North Richland Hills, Baytown, and Kingwood also saw sizable growth. So there you go. And then they talk about the people that are moving here. Yeah. Some from New York that decided to move from Ithaca. Mm. And, you know, they said, you know, they're retired, low cost of living. Here's an interesting one. The husband and wife are both disabled veterans who started looking to move to the Lone Star State after their kids left the house. It's very veteran-friendly, and we're not used to that. Oh, wow. Hmm. Everyone waves at you here. Yep. In New- well, that may be, you know, you, we may be making a gesture somehow with our hands. <laughs> uh, in New York, we had neighbors who, that we lived to next to for 30 years and never knew their names. Hmm. So... I mean, you can still get plenty of that in certain areas, in the major metro areas. Uh, here's here's I, one, though. Between the sunshine and toll roads, mm-hmm. which the company says, or the, the company, the couple has said, have cost them about $100 a month. That's one thing that you find out in Texas that you may not have an income tax, but there are free roads where you can get everywhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you want to get somewhere quicker, well, actually, even the toll roads are, yeah, they're getting they're, bad. I mean, they're jammed in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I don't inbound drive in the toll roads are jammed yeah. in the morning. Yeah, I don't. It's drive crazy. In the, the in fact, the oldest. I don't know if it's the oldest. I think it still is the oldest stretch of toll road here. Inbound is is only a few lanes. Uh, Dallas North Tollway. It's it's oh, nothing yeah. like the newer toll roads. Right. It's uh, yeah. And it's like not like the part of the tollway that I use. Right. Yeah. It's it's, it's a straight shot north south. Yeah. And which it's it's fine, but what they found was the more you expand the system, the more people that will use the system. So when we started building these toll roads that they were doing this study over the years and metro areas that build these new toll roads or expand their highways and freeways, they find that people, basically, the mindset is, oh, well, I used to take the back roads in, so all the people that would take the back roads now all jump on the freeway that is is expanded, so they fill in that space. (laughs) It's not really an expansion in terms of capacity because people tend to jump on them. Well, it's, you know, still better, uh, or it's better than taking, you know, the, uh, the old back roads. I don't I don't have to commute. You know, the nine to five, you and I don't have to commute during those hours. And if I'm ever out during those hours, it's maddening. If I sit in traffic for just a few minutes, I want to pull my hair out. Yeah, uh, I am lucky where I live and because of the time I come into mm-hmm, work mm-hmm. and the fact that I do take the tollway. That's a mm-hmm. luxury I do take every day. Mm hmm. Traffic is not a problem. Right. I if get, I had to do that for, as a, you know, to get there on time, because 
I was at a doctor's appointment or somewhere, and I was coming back, which is inbound, coming toward, essentially toward Dallas from the north. And it was just stop and go on the toll road. And I'm looking around, I'm going, all of these people are late. It's like 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning. You're late every day. And and I talked to, actually talked to a colleague, because I had a meeting mm-hmm. back here. And so I called ahead and I said, I'm going to be late. And I talked to one of our colleagues and he told me, he said, yeah, I live up there. He said, I have to get out of there if I'm not on the road to work by 6.30, 6.45. I'm going to be late at 8 o'clock. I'm like, nope. Nope. Not going to spend that kind of time inching along on the road. Remember when we first started Red Eye and we mm-hmm. moved to the the other studios mm-hmm. even further away from my house, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but in basically in, in North Dallas. Yeah. And remember when we, this is when we first started and we had one of the management teams that said, well, look, why don't we do a meeting at like 515 after you guys are off the air? Mm-hmm. And we said, no. Yeah. Because by the time it's over, the traffic is absolute hell. Yeah, once you wait that long, I mean, it, it doesn't take very long for that traffic because all the people going 90 miles an hour at 510, 515 create the traffic jams for the others at, you know, 630 and 7. <clears throat> and this is, that's always been the case because it used to be the opposite when our studios were in Arlington and I, you know, I've always lived up here and I drove to Arlington. Yeah. And it was, and I knew. And I would stay because I was before uh, almost a decade. I was also part of the morning show there at WBAP. And I, but the the difference is getting home. I'm not in a hurry. You know, I don't have to be at mm-hmm. home at a certain time. You know, like people going to work, they've got to be there on time. And so I could take my time in getting home. But the traffic difference with just 15 minutes, you've got to get it. You've got to get there. And get out of the way. Otherwise, the morning traffic is starting to fill in. You know, when you start talking about 9 to 5, there was a, a video yesterday that went viral. Libs of tip, TikTok put it on. Yeah, yeah. And it was this recent college ga- graduate. And I can't play the the, the audio because yeah. there it's F this and F that. But mm-hmm. it's she just graduated from college, and she's just basically having a breakdown, crying and everything. Mm-hmm. Because she works a 9 to 5 job in New York City. And it's a two-hour commute both ways. Oh, my gosh. And she's just going crazy about how everything is hopeless. And Matt Walsh responded <laughs> to it. And I just have to read you this because this was, I was dying laughing when I read this. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to work 9 to 5, there are other options. Here they are. If you're a woman, get married and be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. This will require you to first become the sort of woman that a man would want to marry and support mm-hmm. Also, though, this path ultimately requires significantly more work and time than some corporate desk job. It's, it's a full t- <laughs> actual full-time job. Because number two, become an entrepreneur or pursue a career where the nine-to-five structure is not relevant. The caveat, again, is that you'll probably end up working a lot more than you would in a nine-to-five job. Yeah. I'm in that kind of industry, and I work like 13 hours. Number three. 
move out to the woods somewhere and try to live a self-sustaining lifestyle. Learn to grow and hunt your own food and build your own house. This is how people lived prior to the invention of 9 to 5. It's still technically possible, but it requires by far the most work out of all the available options. No doubt. If you don't want to do any of these and the 9 to 5 corporate slog is all you have left. It's also the lowest effort and easiest path. If you just don't want to work at all, too bad. This is life. This is what it means to be a person. You have to work one way or another. Make your choice and shut up. Thanks. <laughs> well, she's just whining and crying well, like crazy. And, and going like on this. and on and yeah. on. And it's like, what do you? what did you think? But this is exactly what happens. When, when for years you raise young people to not have to meet a standard, to not have to do the work, well, you get the grade for just showing up in class. We're not going to keep score on the field. We're not going to hold you accountable when you don't make the score. In fact, we're going to give you a trophy just for showing up. See, because everything is fine. Everything is fine. Oh, you're done with college? You need to work in order to survive. And... This is exactly what happens. You feel like you're being kicked to the curb because you haven't been properly prepared. You know, when I first uh, went to college and I got the job at the bank, uh, I didn't have a car. Hmm. And I had to work to get a car. Yeah. And so I had to take the one of the longest bus rides. It took an hour and a half every day mm-hmm. after school to walk mile and a half to the bus stop. Mm-hmm. Catch Winter, didn't matter. You know, yeah, then yeah. all the way, few times if the bus was a little bit late, I would actually hitchhike. Mm-hmm. You can't do it these days. But back then I would. Yeah. And the hour and a half bus ride to the bank. And then afterwards, I'd have to walk another mile and a half to the bus stop downtown, another hour to get within two miles of my parents' house, and then walk two miles home. Mm-hmm. Didn't like it. That's what you did. Yeah. Is what was required. That's what was the opportunity and right. going to college at the same time. Yeah. So. It's always been it's, the case. Well, it's choices. You make choices. She made the choice. She voluntarily made the choice. So you can sit there and go, okay, I don't want to go two hours to work anymore both ways. I got to find something else. Then, then find you, some, you can then find you something closer. Or something else. You don't right. sit and whine and cry about it. Right. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Will somebody finally did the the research and the extrapolation out that if you take all of the taxpayer subsidies and everything else for mm. an electric vehicle and you yeah. take them out of it, mm-hmm. I mean, from the production level all the way up to the government, uh, you know, uh, subsidies for buying an electric vehicle, right? how much more does it actually cost? Mm. And over the period of time of ownership... Well, somebody has done that. Ah, coming up.
This is Red Eye Radio on West. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you for being here. All right. Let's have some fun. All right. What do you got? Just for a moment. All right. Saw this a couple of days ago on social media, on Twitter. Now, I want to make this clear. This is digitally altered. Mm. Okay. This this is not what she really said. It's the setting that she was in, but it's Greta Thunberg. You know, uh, Ms. Climate Change. Right. And somebody found this uh, interview whether they used AI or whatever, digitally altered it. So yeah. this is all satire. Right. But the problem is that when you hear this, and when I heard it the first time, I went, well, I wouldn't be surprised if she actually said it, even though she really didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, this is pretty hilarious. When she talks about war, uh, and again, and, and uh, how, we should, how we actually should be fighting a much more environmentally friendly war with uh <laughs> with more in environmental environmentally um friendly friendly yes tactics and equipment and yeah. equipment yes yeah. okay yeah. so here we go now remember this is all satire here yeah. we go war is always bad specifically for the planet if we want to continue uh fighting battles like environmentally conscious humans we must make the change to sustainable tanks and weaponry. There are so many new concepts um, for uh, battery-powered fighter jets that can carry many more um, missiles, biodegradable missiles, of course. Something literally everybody can do to stop this nonsense is, for example, block the roads to gardens and farms so the plants don't get overrun by these heavy, heavy tanks. Hand grenades, very important. If you use hand grenades... Please use vegan grenades. No animal should have to give their life for all this mayhem and chaos. They have a special sticker on them. You really can't miss them in the uh, grenade market or wherever you buy them. Yeah. Or wherever you buy them. <laughs> and the yeah. best part is, because this was a real interview, and again, it's, it's, all, it's all satire. They mm. digitally altered it. But, but as she's saying this, you know, you have the, the two hosts, and mm-hmm. it looks like it's British TV, you know, Nodding their Nodding heads like head, in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> when I first heard it, it's like, man, this has got to be fake. Well, what's, what's going on? And then we got to vegan grenades. Well, and I knew, you okay. Know, it's, and then there's been this back and forth about, okay, how much AI should we allow and all of that about, and, and uh, you know, the Biden administration is going to move on AI. And we'll see what that looks like here in a few days. But Hollywood and the the strike and and AI and you know can you sue somebody for this or sue somebody for that? That's actually that falls under satire and parody. So whoever did this is safe. But then I thought, well, Greta actually might reach out to them and say, "Hey, could could I use that? <laughs> can, can I actually use that? Because I don't mind any any of it." 
and whatever you altered, uh, would you guys actually mind writing some speech speeches and statements for me? Um, it is funny, but you look at the real uh, situation that we're that we're in. You know the the massive regulation we were talking earlier about the um, migration between states, the massive massive overregulation uh, under the guise of man-made climate change and we're killing the planet the earth is going to end all of this has been so costly in these blue states and yet they don't change their vote that to me is just a mystery that will go on for a long long time and and instead many of them are getting up and they're leaving they're coming to states like texas but when you when you look at the madness that has been created, you know, I mean, the regulation is over the top and it's costing so much to live in states like California, New York and other blue states where you just can't get around it. There's no way around it. You either have to you got to make the choice that you're going to pay for it or you have to leave. And so something that from, you know, coming from a digitally altered Greta (laughs) doesn't really sound far off. It just doesn't. Because it is the same kind of madness that goes into their very agenda. I remember in 2021, because we had talked about this a couple of months ago, Mm. in 2021, the NATO chief uh, suggested that we uh, put solar yeah. panels on 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 tanks, yeah. on NATO tanks, right, to make them more environmentally friendly. Right. right. They no, did, they're talking. They actually about, did say that. No, so. and they're talking about that. You know, here we need to look into. Well, hold on a second. If you're talking about service vehicles outside of combat zones and combat applications. Maybe. But then you have to ask the question, well, don't you want every vehicle to be officially ready for combat? Shouldn't they? Even domestically. On bases all over the United States. You, if, if there is a massive invasion, we need to make sure that all the equipment is going to be working all the time. Sorry, enemy, we have to plug in our EV. Well, I mean, if I was the enemy if, and you have solar-powered tanks, I would suggest you attack at night. There's one strategy. Well, what happened, General? Well, the problem was the enemy attacked at night, and, uh, well, <laughs> we, don't, we don't work nights anymore. That credit thing is just great. Can't, can't start a solar powered tank at night <laughs> when she started talking about and the new efficiencies of battery powered jets oh my gosh <laughs> wind powered planes 
Well, we've got the wind power planes. You've seen them, the planes with those. Mm-hmm. I mean, we used to use them. They have then the we, turbines on the front. Yeah, they. Yeah, you, you yeah. saw the big. Uh, that just turned by the, themselves. The wind by turbines. The yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They just work magically, and the wind power. The wind powered uh, uh, ships. Remember that rendering, a digital rendering. The new technology, a wind-powered ship. A wind-powered ship. Cargo ships they were talking yeah, about. Yeah. The new technology. It's, it's like... not It's not new. <laughs> it's not new at all. <laughs> it's like, well, you mean a sailboat. <laughs> what, what's... And also, man-powered. You mean a rowboat? <laughs> Canoe. <laughs> I mean... It's it really feels that way. It, it, is the agenda so bad where they just they look at it and go, look, these people are not bright. You know, we let them get through class without making the grade for generations now. Just introduce a new wind powered ship. Well, seriously, with with when, when you when you see now. You know, that that poll yesterday that that, you know, when I saw the poll on the younger, the younger people that mm. uh you know, uh, believe that genocide is acceptable against Jews. Yeah. I, you sit there and, and you just think of the things that, that we're selling that, you know, we can run the uh, the planet on solar and wind. Right. And you can power modern societies that way, which you can't. Mm-hmm. It's impossible right, to right. do so. When you see the insanity with electric cars that we'll get to here in just a, a moment, a, a, a new story on that, a new report on how much do they really, uh, really cost. Mm-hmm. I really wonder... Because I've done it with my buddy a couple of times when he's done stuff about solar panels or windmills, whatever. Because he lives up north and they want to do all these projects and they kept the projects keep getting defeated because the liberals don't want them because they block the scenery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I always put on, I go, well, if they just go to solar power or not solar, if they just go to wind power planes and then I put a turboprop on there. But I really wonder that if if you did that, if you did that, whether you could convince a significant, if you put out, look, we need to go to these wind-powered planes, and you put that on, you know, you put it on social media, how many people are such idiots where they would go, what a great idea that I'm, is. I'm telling you, I could make a billion dollars from solar-powered tanning beds. <laughs> it's a lawn chair for critical thinkers. Seriously, are people, are we that ignorant where I could sell that idea and somebody, somebody in Congress, maybe Representative Johnson, right. Mr. Guam, yeah. well, we need to go to the, we need to go to the wind power plane. There's a diagram of it right there. Right. Those two windmills right. don't need any power. The mm-hmm. wind moves the propellers and then the plane takes off. I wonder if you really could convince, are we that ignorant where you could, and then you take a poll on it, you promote it, you do commercials on it, mm-hmm. and then you see how many in the public you ask the question in a poll. How many people believe that wind power planes are the way to go? Right. We put windmills on these planes, uh-huh. and uh, here is the engineering drawing of it. Mm-hmm. Whether you could get, like, I don't know. 30% of the people to go, that's a great idea. I think you could definitely get a significant portion of people going, yeah, we should be doing that. If you can sell the concept that a man can be a woman because the man says so. Right. 
and therefore should be able to compete against women. And mm-hmm. the women disagree, mm-hmm. you can threaten. Mm-hmm. You can threaten their scholarships. You can threaten their safety. Yeah. You can threaten their career. If you can do that, I believe that you and I could create a marketing plan that would convince these idiots that you could have a wind-powered plane. Well, Gary, remember several years ago, the global media in unison celebrating the first time a man ever gave birth. Oh, yeah, I know. (laughs) And that has never happened. Ever. Ever. Not even once. Remember that? I think it was a, I think it was the Daily Mail UK or one of the the British rags yeah. that, that first yeah. came out with it. Man, first For, the first, first time man in human history, give birth. Man gives birth. No, he didn't. By the way, I'm I'm kind of pleased that they started with that. I, I won't say started with that. Well, that was one of the first big stories, though, in their mission statement and their entire agenda plan. I'm glad it was so that. All of the countless women who have given birth could look at it for what it was. Absolute garbage. And they floated it like it was the truth. Yeah, because the first thing that I thought, I go, really? The first man gave birth? And then I think about our biology and our parts, and I think, well, that would probably be more painful than even for a woman. I'm going to tell you, for a guy, if we have to withstand any more pain than, you know, stubbing our toe, no, it's not going to happen. There's there's no way it was going to happen. It's certainly not going to happen multiple times, as is the case with countless women. Well, I would look at my, my body makeup, and mm-hmm. I'll just say that particular point, mm-hmm. and if somehow I gave birth, I believe it would kill me. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't survive it. It's, we yeah. would all, we would all die mm-hmm. uh, because we're we actually aren't built to do we're not that. <laughs> we're not no i was i was making the popcorn when that story hit i'm like okay ladies feel free to chime in when i first read that first man before i went well that's impossible i went ouch <laughs> yeah, exactly that'd be painful yeah be painful. right it's just but it that's the lunacy i know and so we could i we could do it we could convince a significant portion of americans yep. that there's actually oh, yeah. this should be our goal oh yeah our goal should be wind powered planes and just have the propellers on i think you could get a list of items and get people on board i'm really kind of cr- crossing my fingers for the solar powered tanning bed that's going to be a thing. Well, didn't they convince the people? Remember, they did the whole thing about, you know, was it uh, dihydrogen oxide and what a dangerous yeah. thing it is? And they right. got they got the they they would go up to people and the vast majority of people signed the petition to get rid of dihydrogen yeah. oxide. Right. Because, you know, if there, you ingest too much of it, it can kill you. Right. Whatever. And and it's all around us and we need to get rid of it. And people were signing to get rid of water. Right. So if you can do that, we could convince the idiots out there. Oh, sure. All you have to do, it's it's we'll like... Add, we'll, add your solar, we'll add your solar tanning bed, too. Yeah, exactly. Just get it in motion. It'll, <laughs> it'll pick up steam. 866-90-RED-EYE. 
Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Once a roadside inspection is completed, the officer will close it out, which involves the officer writing or typing up the report. The more the officer found during the inspection, the longer this will take. If violations were discovered, most officers, as a courtesy, will explain the violations to the driver. If there were any out-of-service violations, the officer will normally explain what must be done to get the out-of-service order lifted. Drivers need to be very attentive during this part of the inspection. The driver also needs to read and understand the complete inspection report. After receiving the inspection report, the driver has 24 hours to get the roadside inspection report to the motor carrier. If the driver will not be returning to a company facility within the next 24 hours, the driver needs to know to get it on the way to you via email, mail, or fax within 24 hours. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I'm sorry. I just uh, when when I was looking up because we were just having fun mm-hmm. uh, with the whole uh, uh, Greta fake yeah, parody fake Greta, yeah. in, in fake Greta yeah. uh, interview about uh, that we need you know sustainable military weapons. And mm. so I had I had looked up in Google because I knew we had done it a while back. Because uh, back in 21, actually, the, the NATO chief said uh, we need more environmentally friendly uh, weaponry out there and actually yeah. talked about solar panels on tanks. Yeah. And so I just went, oh, let me hit images here. You know, on Google, just hit images. Mm. Image comes up. NATO chief calls for a tank with solar panels. Huge solar panel extension on this tank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it, which is why. The whole fake Greta thing doesn't sound so fake. No, ex- that ex- you're absolutely right on that. You're absolutely right. It just yeah. doesn't. It yeah. doesn't sound so fake because, you know that that would be it. If you're if you're one of these activists, and you understand that well, nations are going to have national defense equipment. They're going to have, you know, they're 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 not going to do away with war. Well, then your agenda is going to the next logical step is okay. Now we need to encourage them to have sustainable weaponry. Now, I don't know if she could, conv- if it was convincing. I think the point where she lost most people was vegan grenades. <laughs> I, I don't know that. <laughs> That's how crazy it is. I know. <laughs> If you had played it and said, you think that's plausible? You think someone actually said that? Or do you think that's AI? No, it's it's I plausible. I don't know if they actually said it or if it's AI, but definitely plausible. I can hear them saying it. You and I have been doing this for far too long. It just wasn't. It's like the Babylon Bee. The Babylon <laughs> Bee has become a legitimate news website. <laughs>
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So I'm just, you, you made me go to the Babylon Bee. Okay. Gavin Newsom visits President Xi to get more ideas on how to run California. <laughs> no, the one I loved yesterday was a meme out there, and it showed the two shaking hands, and it says, <laughs> One is a communist. The other is the president of China. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. All right, here we go. New report mm-hmm. out there. Sweeping first-of-its-kind analysis published by Think Tank Texas Public Policy Foundation concludes that electric vehicles would cost tens of thousands of dollars more if not for the generous taxpayer-funded incentives. Now, you and I have asked this question, you know, besides the actual amount that you get from the federal government, you know, the, what's discounted on it from the federal government mm-hmm. and from state governments with all the other subsidies that exist along the manufacturing line. Yeah, okay. Now, what What does it really mean? What are you really paying? What is the cost of an electric vehicle? According to the report authored by energy experts Jason Isaac and uh, Brett Be- uh, Bennett, the average model 2021 EV would cost approximately $48,698 more to own over a 10-year period without the staggering $22 billion in taxpayer-funded handouts that the government provides to electric car manufacturers and owners. Hmm. Over a 10-year period. Over a 10-year period. Hmm. So 4800 a year. If you look, if you yeah. roughly look at it, right. The analysis factors in federal fuel efficiency programs, electric grid strain, and direct state and federal subsidies. It is not an overstatement to say that the federal government is subsidizing EVs to a greater degree than even wind and solar electricity generation, and embarking on an unprecedented endeavor to remake the entire American auto industry. The report states, despite these massive incentives, EVs are receiving a tepid response from the majority of Americans who cannot shoulder their higher costs. Mm. It's time for the federal government and state governments to stop driving the American auto industry off an economic cliff and allow markets to drive further improvements in cost and efficiency. It continues. You know, it's like reading yesterday when I read that the UAW and Ford came to a deal. It doesn't matter. They can make, give them whatever they want. Mm-hmm. They cannot survive based on the business model of the EVs that the government, what their timetable is. And I, Ford, think, I think Ford is one of those prime examples because you look mm-hmm. at uh, the, the imploding uh, marketing campaign of the uh, Ford Lightning. You know... You also have to look at, at things where in in recent months you've seen, I don't know how many stories, that start to show the real cost of EV ownership. The Ford CEO going on the road. Well, yeah, I guess we're going to have to work with Tesla to get more uh, charging stations. You know, all of these things are not nothing. I thought about it. I was telling you off the air earlier. I think about this, the mandate thing. You think about a retired couple living on a fixed income. And maybe he's got an old pickup truck. 
uh, that he keeps maintained. They don't drive, you know, 20, 30,000 miles a year, but they need their vehicles. They have used vehicles. Well, at some point, the agenda dictates that you have to outlaw internal combustion engines. It won't be just about mandating that newer vehicles sold as of 2035, new vehicles sold in, as of 2035 have to be EVs. You'll have to go beyond that, as California always does, and you have to outlaw the old vehicles. Well, at some point, you're forcing the hand of somebody, of many millions of Americans that are on fixed income or just simply don't have the income to pay for these vehicles, and you're not going to have the political will to keep subsidies going for EVs at that rate. It just won't be there. So how do you make that work? Well, the fact of the matter is it's not going to work for a number of reasons that we pointed out here on this show, and that is, you know, we don't have, we've never, ever in the in the history of our society's existence ramped up to the point that it would be necessary mining of materials that would be necessary to build these things. Uh, we had the story the other day about building out the infrastructure and how impossible, not hard, but impossible it would be when you talk about converting to wind and solar. None of these things are, you know, they, we're still talking in the abstract. And one of the things that builds out the abstract for the left as they push it is the fact that there are EVs on the road today, that people have gone out, they have bought EVs, and they're driving them right now. So that takes it off the the, uh, the, the table of a theoretical discussion. But it's very different when you start outlawing behavior like driving internal or owning internal combustion engines. When you start, and this is one of the things globally that they're pushing for, that, you know, in this summit and that summit, they're talking about outlawing the use of any oil or natural gas, which, of course, would implode the economy of every nation on the planet and and would have people dying. There's There's no way around that. And now you've got this, you know, this very real scenario of the cost of it all as we have mandates in place it's no longer the abstract of whether we should or or shouldn't whether it's good to do it or not nope the government says you have to if you're going to buy a new vehicle in california starting in 2035 well uh, i've been reading it and they they mentioned it here that part of the cost that they're talking about here the cost of an evs are not just the evs it's the cost to the taxpayer for example to build the number of charging stations you're going to need. Now, as you know, a regular gas pump just takes you minutes Mm -hmm. to fill up. Mm -hmm. Even if it takes you 30 minutes Mm -hmm. to do what you need to do, the number, if you extrapolate out what they wish to do, you would need five, uh, I think it was five to seven times the amount of EV chargers than you actually have gas pumps. Well, as I said, because when automobiles came along, People bought automobiles because it made their life more efficient. It was a choice. Yes. It wasn't a government mandate. 
Therefore, gas stations could become profitable. Therefore, they opened up because they could project the growth rate on it. There is no growth rate. There is no growth rate of EVs without massive government subsidies to make them affordable to the right. average person. You have and to the, hide the true right. cost. And and so if you if everything is dependent on government subsidies, private industry is not going to get involved in EV charging unless you get the massive subsidies that ha- exist today and you ma- you mandate that the EV stations have to be built. Yeah, and I don't know how you mandate EVs have to be built. Uh, you know, or excuse me, EV, EV chargers need to be built. But the fact is, if you have them, as I said, they're extremely expensive to charge. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can charge at home, that's fine. Mm-hmm. So, but most people can't afford the cost of the actual charger to begin with. And the other thing that was pointed out, the whole plan of EVs is to ensure that anybody who lives in the city can't drive. Because all major cities in the United States, you look at most of the 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 housing in those areas have no driveways, no, have no garages, right? And it's like, where are you going to put the EV stations? Right, you can't have them in front of the house, right? And then they talked about the fact that with the crime in the cities, if you have these EVs, these EV stations in front of every house right near the street, so they can do it, they're going to be gone. They're going to be stolen, right? I mean, it's just like there are just so many problems that just keep arising, you know, on top of it. But they talk about the 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 cost, the socialized cost of EV charging stations, which would all be government funded because there is no incentive and there is no projective growth rate that anybody could get into the EV charging business mm-hmm. because it's all dependent on the government subsidies and where the government decides to do. And remember, the government cut back. Uh, on the EV subsidies until they found out they could do it. You know, the Democrats got in and they could do it during COVID. Mm -hmm. And so then they extended it and gave it more time. But the fact is you can't base the growth of a market on whether the government's going to be involved in it or not based on what political party is going to be in power. Right. Because if Republicans get power, you're going to see a slowdown in this. Right. And And anybody that wants to invest in the private sector knows that. It's the same thing going on right now with the investment of, of energy where we are at the moment. Well, when they see states, even states like Texas, getting massive, massive wind and solar subsidies, well, who wants to come in and invest in a massive natural gas plant? And then the, the equity, <laughs> it's got to come in, the equity in EV chargers. Mm-hmm. The fact is, as I said most people will not be able to afford it. Right. And so in the cities, for example, they're going to have to have if, you know, and, and the one thing is, well, actually, that's the way that they will get people to take massive uh, mass transit, exactly. make it so exactly. you outlaw gasoline vehicles. Right. They can't put one in front of every home. But if they do, they have to subsidize it. And then they're talking about the fact that since the EV charges, because electricity is going to skyrocket, as Mm -hmm. we know, Mm -hmm. that's the plan. Then there's the second point to mandate subsidizing electricity cost for personal chargers or uh, to have more chargers in certain places where people can't have it at home. Those will be continually subsidized more yeah. than other chargers in other places, right. and the electricity itself will be subsidized. Well, that all 
that all costs. I mean, that's all built into the total cost of any vehicle. Mm -hmm. And as they say, uh, further analysis calculated the cost of EV charging stations strain on the U.S. electrical grid amounts to the average of $11,833 per EV over 10 years. That's going to be the increase in cost. Yeah. Because we don't have the electricity. Right. And then to actually... Uh, build the the EV charging stations, which have to be subsidized, also goes in the cost of the vehicles because it has to be subsidized by the government, right. which means everybody has to pay instead of the free market having, you know, EV stations because people can make a profit off it mm-hmm. without subsidies. Right. And by the way, I also heard the same thing. Well, uh, gas and uh, natural gas and oil get subsidies. They may get tax breaks. They don't get subsidies. No. But they're in order to make that work, they call tax breaks that everybody gets the same as a subsidy, which is direct cash, and they're two different concepts completely. Right. Um, you know, we talked about the ethanol mandates and, and how those companies benefit from, well, they don't, I don't think they benefit, frankly, in the long run, uh, but may get subsidies on ethanol blends, that, that's a mandate. Do away with that mandate as well. There is there's no reason to have these types of mandates in place except for to control the behavior of people. That's it. Under the guise that the the world is going to end. I don't care if Elon Musk wants to make Teslas. Great. Make them and sell them. Sell them. Yeah, fine. Go for it. No problem. And when People are on board. They're on board. Great. But guess what? Good luck. Elon Musk would not be in the electric car business if it wasn't for subsidies. Exactly. It wouldn't exist. Right. There is no demand. Sell, Make it and sell it at its cost plus your profit. Yeah. There is. And, and, and let's see what happens. Let me put it this way. There is no demand for a company to make a profit without taxpayer subsidies. Right. Well, the price point's way too high. Yeah. Way too high. You know, when you when you don't do your research, when you think in the abstract, reality becomes very harsh. But when you're a critical thinker, you can see it the entire time. You don't have to look very far to see what this is. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. A new report to Congress shows that as the Federal Reserve raised interest rates last year at the fastest pace in decades, U.S. consumers paid a record-setting amount in credit card interest and fees. Yeah, yeah. It found that as the Federal Reserve hiked rates sharply in 2022, variable rate loan costs went up, and credit card companies charged consumers over $105 billion in interest and more than $25 billion yep. in fees. yep. And it's going to keep going for a while.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen.